The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. There were a couple of headline grabbers in there, but by far the biggest one was the number of tips. So they got over 18,000 tips in fiscal year 2023. So that would have been the year ending, I guess, the end of September. That was Kerry Penman. This is Tom Fox, and I'd like to welcome you to this episode of the FCPA Compliance Report. Kerry's the Chief Compliance Officer at NAVEX, and we take a deep dive into NAVEX's review of the SEC whistleblower report for fiscal year ending 2023. It takes a deep dive and gives you some really actionable insight into how you can use the information. I know you'll enjoy this episode of the FCPA Compliance Report. As we move into 2024, have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Well, if you have and you have any questions, please contact me. I can help. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for another episode. Now, I'm absolutely thrilled to have back with me one of my favorite friends, colleagues, and people in compliance, Carrie Penman. Carrie, first of all, welcome back to the podcast. Tom, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Carrie, you penned an article for NAVAX entitled SEC Office of the Whistleblower Annual Report, Three Things to Know. And I thought you really had some great insights in into the uh, Office of the Whistleblower Report. And so I wanted to maybe explore some of those with you. And if we could start with the number of tips itself, uh, how much they may have increased and what that may mean for the compliance professional listening to this podcast. Yeah, there were a couple of headline grabbers in there, but by far the biggest one was the number of tips. So they got over 18,000 tips in fiscal year 2023. So that would have been the year ending, I guess, the end of September 2023. And that was up about 6,000 tips from the prior year. In fact, the prior two years, they were sitting around 12,000. And before that, they were just around 7,000. So exponential rise in the number of tips that were going to the SEC. And it's something that, as far as compliance officers, need to be aware of, that this is for probably a whole host of reasons, including some of the top award amounts, is becoming another avenue for employees to report. Kerry, you had the opportunity to speak with Jay Nordberg, the former chief of the whistleblower, uh, chief of the office of the whistleblower at the SEC. What did she really think or attribute some of these increases to? I think she primarily attributed it to, and I did actually reach out to her for this particular blog, and she noted that the $279 million award that was given to one whistleblower this year, that was really headline grabbing. And I think it's just really increased awareness that is an avenue for reporting and that somebody made $279 million. And I think the next person made a hundred and some million dollars. And I think it's definitely raised awareness of the program and people are using it. So what did uh, the NAVEX data that you looked at show for the same time frame, Carrie? Yeah, so we actually 
went back and recalculated our data. We typically publish our data for calendar year, but I wanted to do an apples and apples comparison for this review. And so we did look at the same time frame of the fiscal year, October 1 to September 30. And we also saw a significant increase in reporting. We have been seeing a significant increase in internal reporting over the last few years. But in terms of total reports during that same time frame, we took in 1.72 million reports during that SEC fiscal year. Comparatively for the 2022 fiscal year, we took in a million and a half. So a significant increase, 15%. Some people might say maybe because you have more customers and that's a fair question. So we did look at reports per 100 employees in that same time frame, And there we also did see an increase going from 1.44 to 1.46, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it actually is a, a fair amount of increase in reports per 100 employees. Carrie, I was somewhat intrigued by the finding that accounting-related reports actually dropped. And I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about that drop, and then maybe we could explore what that might mean. Absolutely. It was interesting, right? So we see 18,000 tips in a year to the SEC, but in that same time frame, we actually saw a discrepancy from the standpoint that uh, we saw a drop in the issues of accounting, auditing, and financial reporting in the internal reporting over that same period prior year. And I, I actually think this is very interesting, too, because I think just in general, Tom, the, the number of people who have access to information about where accounting you know, malfeasance could occur is pretty limited in an organization. I, I have to wonder you know, why we're seeing such an increase at the SEC and, and a decrease in internal reporting on those issues. Um, curious to see your thoughts on that, too. I guess I was uh, a little concerned uh, because I view, obviously, the uh, issues around uh, accounting as, if not the top, one of the two or three top issues that are internally reported and companies absolutely have to get it right from a legal perspective, but also from a business perspective. And so at first I was a little bit disturbed by that. And I wondered if we might uh, think about, or a company might think about a, literally a campaign to specifically target reporters on an issue. And I know we don't do that usually, but I hate to say it, but I don't think it's a drop because accounting issues have a lot. But I think when you see a number like that drop over something that is so important, both from the legal and business perspective, uh, and to the investment perspective, just all stakeholders rely on that information, that we really need to think about how can we get that inform information up to the decision makers just because somebody reports an issue doesn't mean it's wrong. It means they're reporting an issue, and that's what you want. There can be, you know, in the corporate world, I'm sure you had discussions about I was brought in to help interpret laws that led to accounting valuations on a routine basis. So those discussions go on all the time, and you can have various opinions. People uh, think you may have engaged in wrongdoing, but if it's researched and presented to the appropriate people, the appropriate decision makers, and they can make that decision within the rules of GAAP or whatever they're covered by, I'm comfortable with a decision. So just because there's a report doesn't mean there's wrongdoing. 
uh, it means there's a question and you want to have questions. I know it was a very long-winded answer to a very straightforward question, but uh, it just, I started off saying it disturbed and concerned me and I end up with, it's the same answer. And, and I hope the companies will take note of this and uh, really try to bring those accounting issues forward, at least for scrutiny uh, at the higher level or by more focused subject matter experts. Exactly. And if I just looked at our internal reporting numbers in a vacuum, I might say, well, we did see a spike during COVID of accounting issues with all the fraud around money that was pouring out right and left. And there was obviously a tremendous amount of fraud that occurred during COVID and that perhaps we're seeing a decrease because those cases have been, you know, to some point vetted out. But to see the increase in the SEC reporting says we're missing the opportunity to capture some of these issues internally. So let's now turn to, it's really not in the report, but you note that the government has made some very strong statements, particularly in the last fiscal year, around companies that impede whistleblowers. We used to call that pretaliation, mm-hmm. uh, but the Securities and Exchange Commission has made clear that they will not tolerate any language in employment agreements, non-disclosure agreements, separation agreements, or any other type of agreements which prevents anyone from going to an appropriate legal authority. Any real thoughts on that? I realize it it probably didn't play out for the numbers in 2023, but it might down the road. Right. I actually talked to Jane about this as well, and she predicts that it will continue to be an area of focus for the SEC. And you're right. When when Sean McKessie was heading that office, he was talking about pre-taliation and looking at employment agreements and it seemed like most of the cases that they were citing in this report seemed to be dealing with separation agreements. So it probably is a good idea for organizations to go take another look at what might be in some of those agreements. They clearly sent a very loud and clear message that this is an area of focus by calling out specifically the cases and the companies by name in the report uh, that that they had taken the 21 F-17 actions for those issue. So it is something that they will continue to focus on. And I think it's a good thing because I think all of our organizations have an opportunity to spend more time focusing on issues of retaliation. You and I have talked about this for a long time. Just because you don't get reports of retaliation doesn't mean it isn't happening. It's just that people fear retaliation. And and so I think it really is an important issue for organizations to stay on top of thinking about things, about retaliation, about fear of retaliation, and, and not having documents that will put them in the crosshairs of the SEC. Gary, next up was a number that was a little bit older, but it was 75% of external reporters, meaning those who report to the SEC, had attempted to report internally and either had received no response or were unsatisfied with their response. Significant point one is 75% is actually a drop, as it used to be much higher. But point number two is 75% is still a lot. And so while I had some comfort that this number went down, I'm really still discomforted because um, literally uh, people are trying to report internally. Uh, Any thoughts around that number and what compliance professionals need to think about with that number? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the weak link for organizations is first-line managers and supervisors. That is where Every employee, they just want to take their issue to their boss and have it resolved. 
And and so often we are not able to do, I think, enough training or communications or to give comfort to our first line managers that hey, they don't have to fix every problem that an employee brings to them, but they have to get it to the right person. And they can't just ignore it because that's the worst thing that they can do. It's interesting because um, in the time I've gotten to know Jane, she also I asked her specifically, who have they reported to? in the organization. And she says it is typically the first line supervisor. So that is the weak link. And it's the opportunity for us to focus on training for those supervisors so they know how to recognize an issue when it's brought to them and what to do with it. Gary, you're in your article with a section entitled Final Thoughts, and it's just that. And you point out, uh, obviously, we had an eye-popping number of $279 million, and that may be driving these reports uh, contrasted with a number of reports which actually do lead to payouts. But I thought the larger point you made was in your final paragraph where you talked about this is not a one-time fix. It's not a short-term fix. It's a large part about culture and it's a multi-pronged, multi-year effort. And I guess that struck me as, as important as anything. And you and I have both been in this field a long time. We've seen a lot of different improvements, but do you think organizations are really now seeing this is a big picture, long-term issue and that we can start to have those conversations, not so much with our CEO colleagues or compliance colleagues, but with the ELT or the business executives who run companies? I I think every time this report comes out, it it is really an opportunity to have this conversation. The fact, and and, and I did a little math, the SEC has received 82,000 plus tips since they started their program in 2012. These are missed opportunities for us to be able to address. And the issues that drive people to either not report or to report somewhere else, like in social media or to an agency, these are issues we've talked about for a long time. It's either fear of retaliation or the belief that nothing will be done about the issue when it's raised. And I really, you're right, it's not a one and done. You're absolutely correct on that. It's a constant communication about it is, we want people to speak up. When people do speak up, we take action. People have been disciplined for issues that have been raised through our speak up line. And we hold people accountable and we take your concern seriously. Um, I think that there's, you know, that there's just so much, as, as we all know, ongoing communication. The annual ethics inoculation doesn't work. We have to continue to communicate with people and reassure them that we want to hear it and that we won't retaliate when we do. The other point I wanted, or this, uh, your final paragraph brought up for me was, it really answered the challenge that Deputy Attorney General Lisa Monaco first issued in October of 2021 when she said the DOJ would start evaluating corporate culture. That was memorialized in the 2023 update to the evaluation of corporate compliance programs, where the DOJ, in my mind, to its credit, said what's really about corporate culture. And that I cannot think of an area that within an organization that can drive an ethical culture more or better than a robust culture of speak up. Kyle Welch said it about economics in his paper, but here we're talking about culture and some of the things you just said, having that opportunity to speak up, being taken seriously, having a triage, having an investigation if appropriate, 
communicating as appropriate with the reporter uh, to the extent you can. All of those seem to me to be great ways to build trust and corporate culture. And, and I don't want to say I had a Damascene moment where the scales fell from my eyes, but I saw where that entire culture of speak up that Kyle talked about really leads to an improvement of corporate culture or a way for companies to do that. Would that be a fair assessment from your perspective? Totally fair assessment. And I think you raised the the really important point in my mind is what do you communicate back to reporters? And I wonder for all of these years, the 30 years I've been doing it and probably as long as you've been doing it, right? There's all the legal reasons why we can't give them very much information as to what the outcome of their report was. I wonder, should we find a way that we can share more information about an outcome, recognizing all the privacy issues and and all of that? We ask them to, to, to trust us that we'll take their issue seriously. Should we trust them with a little bit more information to reassure them that they were heard? And yeah, probably a little provocative. It's one that will hard to get past the various legal issues that are associated with that, but how do we keep that communication open and how do we share with them that their issue added value? Certainly the lawyer in me says one thing, but the Department of Justice in the 2020 update to the evaluation of corporate compliance programs said that the CCO and the compliance function are the holders of institutional justice and institutional fairness in an organization. And institutional fairness means that you communicate with those who engage in a process. Uh, because if the process is fair, people will accept more or more tendency to accept the results, even if it's one they don't want. And so uh, I think you're spot on. We we have to have that communications. We have to start talking about that. And, and maybe together we can come up with some way to put a framework around how companies can communicate with the reporters and keep them involved. Because if a reporter turns in something and they don't get the result they wanted, but they think the process was fair, they could become your biggest advocate. Absolutely. Going forward. Absolutely. And it's, it is it is a marathon, not a sprint. It, it is a, a constant building and rebuilding of trust. And as we all know, it takes only one oh crap to destroy a, a thousand attaboys. So when we mess up one case, that stuff starts to get around. If somebody says, I didn't hear back, I raised, and I have a lot of conversations with other compliance officers about case closure time and what's the right number for case closure time. And I worry less about case closure time and more about how often have you had a communication with a reporter to keep them informed that you are still working on their issue. But that's what sends a message. If they think you're not going to do anything about it, they they think you don't care. And, And one of the other issues we talk a lot about is just Picking and choosing the cases compliance keeps, right? So many organizations say the HR cases, we're going to close them. We're going to close them and send them to HR. But in, in my experience, that's often the precursor to the bigger case. And I, I really encourage compliance officers to have some oversight. I'm certainly not suggesting that you investigate personally each HR case, but to stay involved in having a confidence level that even those cases were properly addressed. Carrie, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode. But before we leave, uh, first of all, I want to link to, with your permission, the article you wrote in our show notes. But if our listeners want any more information on yourself or Navex, what might be the best place or places for them to go? 
So definitely the NAVEX website. And if you'd like to read the SEC report, that's on sec.gov. And uh, the article I wrote is linked under resources on the NAVEX website. Gary, uh, thanks again for writing this article. You really raised a lot of provocative topics that I hope we can continue this discussion on. And thank you again for taking the time to visit with me. Thanks so much for having me. I love talking with you. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you so much for listening to this final episode of the FCPA Compliance Report for 2023. Thank you so much for joining me during this year, and we'll be back in the first week of January 2024 with another episode. If you'd like more information, please check out the show notes on the NAVX report we discussed in this podcast. The FCPA Compliance Report is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.